welcome back, Bolt fam, to the season finale of Chargers Powder Hour podcast. Man, I can't believe I can't believe we're, we're wrapping up our first first season of the show. It's gone by way too fast. Colin Appel, Miles Ruruka here. We are your co-host. How you doing, man? How are you feeling? And uh, what you drinking? I'm doing good, man. It's a good Friday night. TGI, TGIF. Jeez, excuse me. Um, yeah, man, this season went by criminally fast. I wish, obviously, we were still going right now, but it is what it is. Here we are. Um, we got a nice little end of the season episode for you guys. And tonight I'm drinking, I'm still drinking these Acres Ales. Um, like I mentioned on the last podcast, it's just like a drink made by a John Deere dealership here in Nebraska. Um, they're pretty good. Uh, I would recommend, but I highly doubt you will find them anywhere outside of Nebraska. Um, what? Are, how are you doing, man? What are you drinking? I'm doing good. Um, excited that uh, we have some football tomorrow, but also still, still trying to get over the fact that the Chargers won't be playing. So, um, but man, I'm doing good. Um, I got myself a good old fashioned white cloth surf. It's a uh, pussy. Man, we really should go back and tally up like how many like how many different beers we tried over the course of the season and then like what our top three drinks of choice were. I think that'd be fun. Cause I feel like I've drank a lot of white claws. Yeah, you, you suck down them white jaws. <laughs> them white claws I'll get your job. White claws, coronas, and white claws and coronas, Modellas, Modellas too. Yeah. I, I've pretty much just I haven't gone anything too crazy yet. I've kind of just drinking a variety of what I would drink on a normal weekly basis. So, some Sam Adams. I've had a few of those on on here as well. I would say Bush would have to probably take my pot, my top spot or Coors, one of the two. I was gonna say you've had Coors quite a bit too. We'll have to. I wonder if maybe maybe next season we can uh, maybe get some like local San Diego beers or something. Southern California beers and review those. Dude, yeah, like when I hop on hops with Pop and he says, you know, give me drinks in the chat, half of them I have never even heard of. So there's there's a lot more exploring that we probably have to do over these next who knows how many seasons. Yeah, dude, for sure. But no, I mean, all in all, doing good. Um, excited to record tonight. Um, this will be, for our listeners out there, this will be our last episode that we put out for a couple weeks, maybe even a month or so. Um, just going to take some downtime, uh, just like the players, you know, the old joke, uh, have fun in Cancun, you know, go, go enjoy the couch. I'm not going to Cancun. That would be fucking awesome. But, um, no, I'll just be hanging around working. And, um, so yeah, we won't, won't have an episode out for a couple of weeks, but, uh, excited to, to get into what we have to get into tonight. Um, because it's, a a reflection of 2022 and as crazy as a, a year that it was, um, there's definitely some, some, some high highs and some bright spots that, uh, we can highlight and just remember, remember, remember the good of 2022, because it's so easy to focus on the bad, on the negative, um, especially the way everything ended. So, um, with that, let's, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Um, team awards, 2022, Los Angeles Chargers team awards given out by Colin and Miles. Uh, do you want me to start or do you want to do the honors here? 
What is the actually, what's the first award? Yes, I forgot let's, that. Let's so do that. First, first award we're we're handing out tonight uh, is the offensive player of the year for the Chargers. Um, Miles, who is your Chargers offensive player of the year in 2022? You know, I feel like you know there's probably a few correct answers for this, but it really comes down to probably two guys that I can think of off the top of my head. Uh, pretty much it seemed like the only two guys that could stay healthy on this roster on the offensive side of the ball for the whole season. Uh, but I'm just going to narrow it down to one. Um, it's kind of a pretty clear-cut choice. I think any normal NFL fan would probably give this person this award for our offense. And that, that's just got to go to Justin Herbert, man. I mean, you you, you just you see the, the amount of games that we won only because of him or, you know, his late-game heroics and with what he was able to do with the receiving core he was working with for most of the season. Uh, you know, we wouldn't have been anywhere – close to the playoffs if it wasn't for number 10 behind center. So I'm going to have to go with Justin Herbert for my offensive MVP. Hey, that's a good answer. It's a popular answer, but it is, it's a very good one. I actually have a different one than you, which I am surprised. I thought, I mean, it's probably the other guy that you're thinking um, of the two because yeah, I mean, unfortunately for the chargers this season, staying healthy was a big, <laughs> a big way to, be eligible for this award, I guess. Like there just wasn't a lot of consistency throughout the year with what, you know, weapons out there, but I'm actually giving the offensive player of the year award to Austin Eckler, yep. the fantasy King. Um, look, I'll, I'll get to Justin Herbert here in a bit, but as far as like how this offense, like I look at this, this year's offense kind of in different, like different segments. You know, it feels like there were different stretches of the season that almost felt like a season within a season. Um, but the one constant for me was was Austin Eckler. I mean, I think he had, what, like 17 touchdowns again this season, which is just, like, insane, um, that kind of production. Uh, receiving, rushing, I, I really – one of the issue, one of the reasons I had such a big issue with Joe Lombardi was just, you know, the, the how they were utilizing Eckler because I feel like – he is this this in, incredible Swiss Army knife that, I mean, I, I feel like if you were to give him to like an Andy Reid or a Sean McVay or a Kyle Shanahan, which he kind of already has right now, and and McCaffrey, like those guys would just drool over a player like that. Um, thinking about how they'd be able to incorporate him into their offensive scheme. So, um, look, I know there's still a lot of question mark not question marks but he gets the one the one knock that Eckler does get is he's not a a complete running back and I I definitely understand that you know he definitely has to do a little bit more on the ground but I also I also think that the offense that he was in these last two seasons did not help his case you know uh we've expressed our uh resentment towards Joe Lombardi and how he has abandoned the run so we don't have to worry about that anymore but Austin Eckler is my offensive player of the year. Yeah, those that was the other guy I had in mind. So I, I really think either one of those guys is your pretty clear cut option as to I could understand, you know, wanting yeah. to put a guy like Mike Williams in there, but I just just from the sample size that we saw, it just was not enough to overcome the likes of Justin Herbert or Austin Eckler. Honestly, my who who made my honorable mention for offensive player of the year was uh, Corey, Corey Lindsley. Lindsley. Yeah, that'd be that'd be the other one I can see an argument be made for. Yep. So, 
All right, man, moving on. Let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Who is your 2022 defensive player of the year? I'll let you go first on this one. Oh, all right. Uno reverse card here. Um, all right, man. My defensive player of the year. This one took me a minute to think about. Um, unlike the offense, there's a couple more candidates in play here, but it's still not much. But this is just the guy that stuck out to me. He he had to go through a lot this year, overcame, you know, being benched, overcame almost like trying to be phased out of this defense. And uh, when he got his opportunity, man, he never looked back and just balled out, especially after the bye week. He, he was just different, man. And um, that's Michael Davis, just a, a career year for him. Uh, I mean, not only everything he went through this season, but the last couple of seasons, like he's had some high highs and some really low lows. So for him just to find that consistency and ball out at that level, like, man, that's a, he's a, he's a must resign for me. Like, it seems like he's entering that those two or three seasons in his career, like that window of just peak peak performance. And um, God, I would, I would just be so upset if if he's the, the latest installment of a really talented player that Tom Telesco uh, undervalues and lets go. But it was tough to pick him over guys like Mac Derwin James. Um, main reason I didn't pick Derwin was just because his, you know, he. He had some, he had a very good year this year, but um, you know he wasn't as available as Michael Davis was, and it just seemed like you know Davis was more consistent down the stretch. So, who is your defensive player of the year? I'm reversing it back to you now. Yeah, I I, I want to go. That was a great choice in Michael Davis. That was definitely a guy that I had in mind that I was thinking about giving some flowers to. And as bad as I want to give this to Derwin or Khalil Mack. Um, you know, the the two leaders of this defense and probably the two best players on the field for most of the season. There's there's a guy that I just think really stuck out to me this year um, that just seemed to just be kind of all over the field. And I, I'm finally going to give my flowers to Drew Tranquil. Yes. The our it. boy, Drew Tranquil, man. It just seemed like he was a different was... animal this year. It didn't matter if he made some plays on special teams. You know, we saw him make plays just last Saturday. He had the first pick of the game. It just seemed like Drew Tranquil coming off a of blitz was a very common theme. And out in coverage, it just seemed like wherever wherever the ball was, 49 ended up to be there. So, um, like I said, definitely not a shot at Khalil Mack or Derwin James. Those are obviously the very popular answers. I just Drew Tranquil deserves some flowers. Yeah, no, definitely. He was uh look, Davis was one A for me and Tranquil was one B. So I love that answer. And yeah, dude, he like after his rookie season, I remember everyone was very high on him and rightfully so. He had a very, very good rookie season. Um, but you know, he seemed to kind of I don't know, not well, I guess maybe re- regress a little bit last season. And I don't know how much of that had to do with just the new scheme and trying to figure out how to operate in Staley's system. But it definitely, like, it took off this year. It, he became the signal caller, I think, after, like, the third or fourth week, which is a huge responsibility on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, that's that's the quarterback, essentially, on the defensive side. So... Um, just to, for him to step up and, and take that leadership role and, and just ball. Like you also like have to know what, what you're fucking doing to step up into that role, you know, not just you, but you have to know everyone's job um, and, and relay the calls in. Like 
he was flying around out there, like you said. And um, yeah, I love that answer. That's that's a great one. Appreciate it, man. Um, so next up on our list, what do we have? Uh, so offensive rookie of the year, which now just to kind of like throw it out there here real quick, our offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year awards are very limited when it comes to players that are even eligible, meaning on, you know, on the offensive and defensive side, there's only a couple of rookies that made their way into, you know, a, somewhat of a starting role um, or they just got hurt or were buried on the depth chart. So let's start on the offensive side. Who is your offensive rookie of the year? I'm going to give it to somebody that, um, had definitely some very high aspirations coming out of the draft, especially with the same guy that with a similar talent that we drafted in last year's draft who came out and was an all pro his first year. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Zion Johnson. Um, I think it's really comes down between two people on offense. I'm guessing you're going to take the other one, but I'm going to go with Zion. You know, a, a lot of people, he, he definitely had a very up and down season. A lot of people were kind of after a few games were coming at him and, you know, it's impossible to be a bust as a rookie, um, as I've heard before, because, you know, you never know uh, what those what the next few seasons hold for you. And to say Zion was a bust is definitely way, way out of way out of left field to say. Zion. Just look at Trey Pipkin. Exactly. Like, some people, some players totally just take right. some time to develop. Uh, I thought Zion really showed a lot of flashes this year, especially early on in the season. Uh, definitely showed potential to be. One of those top guys uh, in our in our starting line, uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and give it to Zion Johnson. Solid pick, and um, yeah, you know he definitely had an up up and down year. What I appreciate about that the most is he's gonna be. I mean, you would like to think, and I and I do think that he is going to be a much better player in his sophomore season because of you know, the growing pains that you have to go through. I mean, we, we were spoiled last year and got to basically draft and plug and play a all pro left tackle. Like that doesn't happen very often as a rookie. Um, so for him to come in and, and start off strong, but then kind of have some mid season woes and, um, you know, kind of get back on the horse and, you know, dust himself off. Like I, I think it's going to make him a better player and I think it's going to make him more savvy. Um, so Solid pick. Um, I am going to take the other player that you were probably thinking of, and that is Jamarius Sawyer. Yep. Um, I I was there to witness his uh, NFL debut as a starter in Houston, and uh, he was someone I was I was watching the entire game. Man, like I I was kind of I was locked in on him for a good uh, good quarter or two, um, at least. I mean, I I remember. You know, I pointed pointed it out to my dad and my brother. I'm like, hey, there's that that rookie out there starting today. Um, and dude came in and balled out, balled out. I think he got a game ball that week. So just, I mean, I know, and I, I know it was the Texans, but you know, the Texans have a decent D line, and um, he held his own. So uh, he also continued to to do that throughout the season and just to ask him to play left tackle, like the most important position on the offensive line and do a really good job, like more than serviceable. Like I thought, I mean, I, most of us thought the sky was falling after Rashawn went down, 
and it just wasn't the case. Like I, this team doesn't even make the playoffs, in my opinion, if Storm Norton's on the left side or even if Foster Sorrell is on the left side. And then, you know, at one point this this season easily could have been Storm Norton on one side and Sorrell on the other side, and what a fucking nightmare that would have been. So, uh, all my flowers to Jamari Sawyer and the job he did. He is my offensive rookie of the year for the Chargers. Yeah, dude, that's a that's a great pick. Uh, yeah, that was the other guy that uh, I was gonna say as well. Uh, yeah, you got to give him his flowers as as much as he deserves it. Uh, Rashawn Slater going out for the year. You know, like you mentioned, we all were just kind of like running around with the like a chicken with our head cut off, just like well. Justin Herbert screwed like this season screwed like it's over. Yeah, Jamari Salyer came in and was a real anchor on on that offensive line. So shout out, shout out to Jamari Salyer for real. And uh, we found our future left guard for the next four to five seasons, at least I would say. So by Matt Filer, that's just another by Matt Filer, by Matt Filer. Yes, I agree. So. Which means we'll probably probably address the interior offensive line again somewhere probably later in the draft, but we'll, co- we'll cross yeah, that bridge I, when it I comes. Think, yeah. But yeah, I think Sawyer has figured himself into that role either way. So he is my offensive player, offensive rookie of the year. Let's shift over to the defensive side. And this is really where it gets nitty gritty. Um, not a lot of defensive rookies to even be eligible for this award. I think there's really only one. Um, and he's kind of like, basically just the last man standing that was in a, a starting role. Um, but I'm just curious to see who you throw, throw out there. Who is your defensive rookie of the year? I mean, we, we both have the same person. It's just your Taylor, not just defensive side yeah. of the ball, special yes. teams. He was able to step in and make some plays when we needed him to as a sixth round pick, mind you not. Uh, so big yeah. shout out to just in this one. This one's kind of just a formality because he's really like, honestly, when you think about it, he is the only one that could even be eligible for such an award. I mean, Tito Ogbania going out. I think, did he get hurt in the Niners game? Yes, because we lost him and uh, Austin Johnson, like in like almost back to back plays. Yeah. Like. So that was maybe a little bit past the halfway point at, like at that mark. So um, not much there. Dean Leonard never really made it into the fold. Uh, JT Woods. JT Woods never made it into the fold. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty much just just your Taylor. So, congrats, just your Taylor. Congratulations, just your Taylor. We expect we're expecting a lot out of you. Don't disappoint. Yes, we are. I I I, I like him, man. He, he came in and played some good football. Um, had some bad mistakes in the Jack Jacksonville game, but hey, he's a rookie. It's gonna happen. Um, you know, all, all that you can ask but, out of a six round pick is to show some flashes, and that's exactly what he did. Yeah, exactly. And then he he did more than that this year. So um good on him. Um that well, that brings us to our final award of the evening, and it is the most important award. It is the team. Well, actually, no, 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 no. Shoot, 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 shoot. Real quick. Back it up. Before we announce the final award. We have one more award. <laughs> Comeback player of the year for your Los Angeles Chargers. I would like you to go first. You I would like one. you to go first. 
Ah, shit. I got to think. All right. All right. I, I got I, mine. I it's a guy. I, came, I wrote this one down earlier and I completely forgot to put it into my notes. So I just remembered it. Um, but yeah, you go ahead real quick. So I am going to give these flowers. I wanted to give them to somebody that we had already talked about earlier. Um, but maybe maybe you'll go back on that. Um, I'm going to give it to Joshua Kelly, man. Uh, just just, Ooh, just a great, great exclamation point to Austin Eckler's game. Definitely improved as a downhill runner this year. We saw some explosiveness out of him. Um, I, I think he's I think he's a legitimate contender for the first time in years. He's a legitimate contender to be our RB2 for like a lengthy period of time. So I'm, I'm going to go with Joshua Kelly. That that's a solid pick, man. Um, I have two other players in mind and I, I really want to give it to one player that I'm thinking of, but he just, I'll, I'll give him a shout out for, for honorable mention, but my, my award has to go to, um, Braden Fajoko. That's a good one. I didn't even think of that one. Like, I, so Braden Fajoko, man, I don't know why he wasn't on this roster to start the season. Like the fact that we cut him from the practice squad and he cleared waivers at one point to come back to us. Like I was convinced someone was going to snag him. Luckily no one did. Um, shout out Braden Fajoko, man. I, I just, I, I love his attitude. I love, I love him as a player and he's just a beast out there, man. He, he is essential to stopping the run for this defense. Like, I will legitimately be upset at Brandon Saley and this entire coaching staff if he is not like if, if they leave him off the roster again somehow um, in camp this year. Like he deserves to be on this team. Like no ifs ands or buts about it. Um, he balled out, especially down the stretch. We were so thin at interior defensive line. Like we we're hanging on. We were hanging on at that point. I mean, our rotation was Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, Braden Fajoko. Uh, Morgan Fox, the other one thing of Morgan Fox and um, David Moa, yeah, like Joe Gaziano. We even lost him, and he was playing well when he was in the fold. But uh, yeah, I got to get the, the honorable mention that I really wanted to give it to, but he just it was more of just like it's so good to see you back. It wasn't performance based, but Donald Parham Jr. Yeah, that's a like, good one. What he went through last year, and then even just with the the, the setback and the hamstring this year, like uh, didn't really come back in a whole lot of time to do anything super productive. But uh, it was just really good to see him back out there. Yeah, Michael Davis was a guy I wanted to mention, but I mean, we already mentioned him. We yeah, mentioned him out on the pod. You guys know how much of a leap he's taken this year. So Michael Davis is a good answer too, for sure. Good stuff, man. All right. Now to the final award of the night, the most important award, the team MVP for the Chargers in 2022. I know mine. Do you know yours? It's Justin Herbert. Bada bing, bada boom. I mean, how could it, yes, how could it not be? Justin Herbert. Justin Patrick. Is it Patrick? I think it's Patrick. No. What's his middle name? Justin no, he Patrick has a brother Herbert. named Patrick. Yeah, you're right. That's Maybe what it's it is. Michael. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, uh, yeah. So when you when you had Justin as your offense player of the year, that's why I was a little surprised. But um, yeah, I mean, look, as Justin Herbert, as long as Justin Herbert's on this team, he's the de facto 
MVP year in, year out, week in, week out, day in, day out. Um, there is no, there is no window. There is no Super Bowl window without Justin Herbert. There is no, I shouldn't say no. There is very, very little hope and faith without Justin Herbert. So he is, you know, the straw that stirs the drink. And, you know, he, he might not always put up numbers like he did last year, but I mean, still to be second in the league of passing and to go through everything he went through this year with uh, his own injury, losing his weapons, dealing with an incompetent offense coordinator. Um, he still was great. Yeah. I don't, I just don't, I don't think there's another right answer. You know, we don't, we don't beat Arizona without him. We probably don't beat Tennessee without him. We don't beat Miami without him. All of our biggest wins this year were at the hands of that man himself. We were not in either of the chiefs games without him. Um, and, and just to yeah. see what he was able to do, to crawl back from adversity time and time again this year just shows what kind of a superstar he is. A hundred percent, man. That wraps up our team awards for 2022, man. Good stuff. A couple more things I wanted to ask you here before we, we call it a season. Um, What was your favorite moment and I, like if you need a sec to kind of think of one uh because there, there were so many like i said there were there were high highs uh, whether it was like a, just a specific play or a, a win maybe a you know a stretch of stretch of the season um what, what was your what was your favorite moment from 2020 so i'm gonna do i'm gonna do a play and a game is that all right does that break the rules perfect yeah right. no. I, I love it so my favorite play and I think that this was just the one play this year that just put my jaw to the floor that I was just like, how in the hell did he do that? Was the second time that we played the Kansas City Chiefs. Third and 19, we're down a score. Justin Herbert rolls right and finds none other than Keenan Allen on third and 19 for 49 yards, which at that time put us in a great position to we ended up scoring and then Obviously, we know what happened to our defense. Should have we won that game, that would have been one of my favorite moments probably ever. But just considering the the amount of pressure we were under in that moment just goes back to show you, you know, just how important Justin Herbert is that offense. He made that play. Keenan Allen obviously made the catch, but just an absolute dime by Justin Herbert to Keenan Allen to pretty much, you know, give us life in that game. When you're facing third and 19 down a score, it's not looking great for you, but that's just that's just the type of hero her, heroism. How do you say that word here? Heroics. Heroism. Heroics. That's just the type of heroics that Justin Herbert brings to the table anytime he steps foot on a football field. So that'd be my favorite play. I think my favorite moment was well, my favorite game had to have been beating Miami on Sunday night. Uh, that was just just that mm. shut a lot of doubters up. Everyone wrote us off on that game, but we didn't write back. Uh, that was, that was kind of a really, that was one of those games that I'm, I'm going to like define the season by was that was, that was kind of a season defying, like Chargers are legit kind of win. So I'd have to go with those two. Both solid, solid choices. Uh, yeah, man, beating Miami, I think every Charger fan has to have that up there just as one of the top moments of the season. I mean, and fuck Miami. The, the way they did it, like the fashion and the way they did it, like just shutting, shutting Tua up and like just look, 
it was it was pretty much all season up to that point, especially in the weeks leading up to it. But we were dealing with all the Acho bullshit, Tua versus Herbert, like this stupid. Like everyone knew, everyone knew, and still knows that Herbert is better. But for whatever reason, like the media has to like spin narratives so that they can get viewers and clicks, and like it's just stupid. Like they're not even on the same level. But just for our defense to shit take a massive shit on Tua and for Herbert to ball out like that made that win so satisfying. Uh, for me, my favorite moment of the season had to have been when we clinched against the Colts. Um, especially just because like, I couldn't remember the last time. Well, I suppose we did in 2018, but before that it had been so long since we had clinched before the final week of the season or you know, in that scenario of like winning in, uh, but you're at Vegas or you're at Kansas City or, you know, like, or you need a win and you need this, this, and this to happen. Um, so for them to to clinch and do it in a dominating fashion, like we watched that game together. We had a great time. Uh, we got absolutely shit-faced and watched the Chargers clinch. Like it was, it was great. It was one of the best games of the season, in my opinion, even though, it was a really shitty Colts team. I didn't care. Like it was just, it was a long time coming. Um, otherwise favorite, favorite moment, like specifically, well, I mean, clinching the playoffs, favorite game. I, I would also have to go that. Well, actually, no, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to say this, the two point conversion to win in Arizona. Yeah, that was, that was, that was awesome. Like, those two things stand out to me, clinching and beating them at the buzzer. I mean, that that was like, my heart was pounding. Like, I don't know, outside of, I mean, really even in the, the Jacksonville game, my heart was never even really pounding. It was just kind of this dying, this slow death. But my heart was absolutely like beating through my chest when we were in Arizona. And um, just like the the... Like it took me back to the Thursday night win in Kansas City a couple of years ago. Like that level of like excitement at the end of the game. So yeah, those are those are the ones that that stick out to me. Yeah, dude, great great picks. Those are gonna be two moments, games, whatever that we're gonna look back on for years and probably know where we were when that kind of thing happens. So yeah, great picks. Yes, sir. Great picks. Facts. All right, man. Um, before we sign off for the next couple of months and say goodbye to the Bolt fam for a little bit, what last thing here? If you had one word to define the 2022 Chargers season, what would it be, and why? Shit, man. That's a good question. If you need me to go, yeah, go ahead. If you got one ready, go for it. Okay. So for me, and I thought about this for a minute before we hopped on, um, I just could, like, I wanted to think of something better or I guess more clever, but the one word that just kept popping up into my head, like repeatedly, but I couldn't like get past was frustrating. Yeah. Or frustrated or frustration, like whatever you know, variation of the word you want to use. Um, it was just frustrating, man. Like, don't get me wrong. Like there were highs, but there were also just as many, if not more lows. And it just seems like they never 
I mean, the four game stretch, uh, and you know, pretty much over the month of December was something that needed to happen. Like they had to go on that if they wanted to have a real shot at making the playoffs. So it was kind of a do or die moment when they, even when they did that, um, they just never seemed to really get like a cons or to find a consistency. Um, and I know a lot of it has to do with injuries. Like I still don't think this is the worst injury riddled season that the chargers have had. I still think 2016 was worse. Um, Cause it seemed like in 2016, every injury was season ending. Like there, Joey Bosa wouldn't have come back. Um, Rashawn Slater definitely, I and mean, I know he didn't, but he wouldn't have even been able to be in a position to come back. Like um, Keenan would have been gone for the year. Mike would have been gone for the year. Like it was just as decimated, but the the injuries were more severe. Uh, I feel like, but I mean, for even for them to overcome all that, um, just frustrating because they should still be in the fucking playoffs, man. They they should be. We should be doing. We should have recorded our pregame episode last night, getting ready for Kansas City. We should be in Kansas City. We were going to go to the game. Um, that's how excited we were, and we're not. We're we're going to be watching from our our couches. So like, this team, as always, has so much potential, so much going for it, and just cannot seem. I mean, they they do it to themselves, man. They just are constantly shooting themselves in the foot um, somewhere and. I guess my biggest thing that I'm hopeful for in 2023 is just, uh, you know, health. Hope that we can keep our, our key key guys on the field for a decent amount of the season. Like, I was watching a, one of the Chiefs games a couple weeks ago, and it just, like, occurred to me, snap after snap after snap. Like, I kept waiting for some sort of, like, pause in the action. Like, okay, somebody went down. But it, like, never happened. I don't think they had a single injury the entire game. And I was just like, wow, how nice would that feel? Like, as Charger fans, I feel like we're almost conditioned to expect a guy to go down or two guys to go down each quarter. You know, it's it's just insane. And it felt like that at times this year. So uh, just frustrating. Very, very fun season still. You know, lots of exciting things um, to look back on and to remember. But... When I look back on 2022, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, 20 years from now, I'll always just be like, yeah, that was a frustrating year. I honestly feel like I'm going to forget about this season 15 from 15 years from now. That is hoping that we'll have Herbert's first playoff game. You'll remember. I'll remember, remember. his first playoff. The, I'll remember his first playoff game, but like the whole season, just because I'm saying like, I feel like we're in a good, very good line to succeed for quite a few years. I feel like all of that success is going to make me forgot, forget about, you know, this year, this heartfelt, yeah. sorrowful year. But yeah, hopefully I mean, if we win a Super Bowl in two years, who fucking cares? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's why I'm banking on me not remembering this season in the future. Yeah. But for me, dude, I'm going to I'm going to go with the word stressful. Um, it, it, it feels like, you know, the Chargers have been. One to just give me panic attack after panic attack. You know, they're, they're going to be the ones that make me die when I'm in my 50s just due to how much stress they put. Cardiac arrest. Exactly. How much stress they just put on my well-being week in and week out. 
Uh, yeah, it's the the season was crazy, man. We saw a lot of highs. We saw a lot of lows. I feel like we saw more lows than highs, just because if you think about it, every win is a high, but every low is pretty much a loss or an injury. So, yeah, I think that the 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 lows were definitely far outweighed the big the the yeah. the gains that we had this season. So, I'm gonna go stressful, man. Like. Arizona game had me stressed out. Kansas City both times had me stressed out. I mean, Las Vegas. Like there wasn't the only stress. The only stress-free game that I experienced this year was Broncos or not Broncos. Excuse me, Rams and Colts were the two only stress-free games yeah. that we felt that we felt this year. Um, oh, I, I I know my me for well, one of mine for sure was the Cleveland game. Like we should not have no, won that game. we should not have won that game, but. We found a way. We found a way in a lot of different situations, but we were able to get ourselves out of those said situations some of the time. So, yeah, it's honestly stressful. It's remarkable just to look back. Like, yes, yeah, stressful and frustrating, but just also kind of insane to look back and be like, wait, all of that shit happened and they still somehow found a way to get to 10 and 7. Like, I, I understand where people are coming from when. You know, Staley yesterday or a couple days ago now said in his press conference that he looked at it as overachieving this year. And I get both sides of it, but at some point you do have to kind of look at the state of what this football team was for times of the season. And, I mean, you could argue that this team overachieved just with all the injuries and all the bullshit that went on. But um, I don't agree. I don't feel that same way. I I I still feel like they underachieved and they should be playing this week. Um but I mean, I definitely see both sides of it. So, um, frustrating, stressful, but also a lot of good things that came out of this year and, and going forward, um, you know, things might never change, but I'm always going to have that same, same hope and faith that things will be different next year and, um, just pray that they are. And Hey, look, man, anytime you have Justin Herbert, number 10 back there, we're, we're in good hands. So, our window is not just like silver lining. Our window is not just these next two years. Um, as Joe Burrow said a couple weeks ago, the window is, is the career of chess and Herbert. Like you'll always have a chance at winning, uh, when he's around. So that is, uh, that's something fun to look forward to. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a hell of a season, man. Thank you guys for joining in with us for our first season. Uh, many more to come from us. So thank you guys. Yes. Um, thank you guys for, for tuning in to not just the season finale, but for every episode that you guys tuned into, whether it was in the car, uh, at work, um, at home, just hanging out, or wherever you, you caught us at. Thank you guys for uh, listening to the show. Um, you know, as two two guys from the, the Midwest who are diehard Charger fans, we didn't know what this would look like um, when we started this, but we've just... I know one thing's for sure. We, we've had a blast doing it the entire season, um, and we're excited to to continue to put out content for you guys. Um, and I know we all have lots of uh, platforms and, and avenues to consume Chargers content. Um, you guys don't have to consume this, but we appreciate you guys uh, out there that are um, and that are diehard Charger fans. We we relate with you. So thank you guys for listening. Make sure to follow us on social media. 
we will still be active on social media. You can catch us on Twitter and Instagram at Powder Hour Pod LA. Uh, feel free to tweet us, interact with us. We will not be gone from there. We will just take a little hiatus, um, and we'll probably come back with our season two uh, premiere a couple weeks leading up to the draft. So expect to see some some new Chargers Powder Hour content leading up to the draft. And with that, bolt up. We're out of here.